0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. A bit of housekeeping to use the common parlance before the podcast begins. There will be no new episode on December 25th. I figure people will probably be busy with other things. And if you've got a long travel ahead of you, check out this podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I run Soul Story, an actual play podcast set in the world of Malifaux. Join me as I guide my players through a story where steam, power, and magic meet horror cliches and fairy tales. Think of it like someone wrote a fan fiction crossing Wild Wild West and Van Helsing. You tried to forget about those, didn't you? Stop judging those classics and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. The other weekend, after attending a menorah lighting at a local tea house, my husband and I joined a parade of monsters walking down the sidewalk. There were vicious, satyr-like manimals with sticks in their hands and wicker baskets on their backs, threatening to carry away naughty children. This was the Krampus Walk, Richmond, Virginia's version of an Austrian Christmas staple. If you're a good child, Father Christmas brings you presents. If you're bad, Krampus will whip you with switches or snatch you away. My name's Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and, six one since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Christmas may be one holiday, but the ways people celebrate it around the world are countless. Mayhem has always marked celebrations around the winter solstice. In Roman times, December brought Saturnalia, a festival that reversed the social order. Masters served their slaves... And everyone went out in disguise, to gamble and drink. Back when Christmas was more about drinking, America had monsters too. In the 1600s, early Bostonians celebrated Christmas disguised as animals, members of the opposite sex, or monsters, in order to get drunk and disorderly without being recognized. Caroling at the time meant dancing. Wassailing meant going door-to-door demanding food, alcohol, and money. The annual debauchery got so bad that from 1659 to 1681, Massachusetts banned Christmas outright. When you hear about the holiday legends and lore of the old country, it's not hard to see why people got into last-day-on-Earth-style partying. For example, in Basque communities, which you learned about in our episode Meeting New Peoples, An overweight man who wears a beret, smokes a pipe, and dresses like a Basque farmer named Olencero comes to town on Christmas Eve to deliver children's holiday gifts. Although Olencero is now a beloved character, he used to have some more violent aspects to his personality. Originally, he went around town with a sickle, cutting the throats of people who ate too much on Christmas Eve. Characters that dole out holiday punishments are common all over Europe. In France, Père Foutard, Father Whipper, is on patrol. Krampus may be an actual monster, but one version of the Père Foutard story is that he murdered three children and hid their bodies in pickle barrels. Saint Nicholas brought them back to life, which was one of the miracles that earned him his sainthood. As penance, Père Foutard must serve behind Santa forever. The character of Belschnickel emigrated from southwestern Germany and survives in Pennsylvania Dutch customs. He comes to children sometime before Christmas, wearing old, raggedy clothes, with a switch to frighten the bad children, and candy to reward the good children. In modern visits, the switch is only used to make noise and to warn the children that they still have time to be good before Christmas. Then all the children get candy, if they're polite about it. The name Belsnickel is a portmanteau of German Belsen, meaning to whip, and nickel for St. Nicholas. Tales told in Germany and Austria sometimes feature a witch called Frau Percha, who hands out both rewards and punishments during the 12 days of Christmas, December 25th, through the Epiphany on January 6th. She is best known for her gruesome punishment of the sinful. She'll rip out your internal organs and replace them with garbage. Percha's story is thought to have descended from a legendary alpine goddess of nature who tends the forest most of the year and deals with humans only during the Christmas season. And there may be some connection between Frau Percha and the Italian witch, Lebefana, that you'll be hearing about later. One character doesn't care at all if you minded your P's and Q's. Your is the Icelandic Yule cat or Christmas cat. And he is not a nice kitty. In fact, he's likely to eat you. The character is tied to an Icelandic tradition in which those who finish all of their work on time receive new clothes for Christmas, while those who are lazy did not. To encourage children to do their chores, parents told them that the Yule cat would eat anyone who hadn't received at least one new item of clothing for Christmas. A poem written about the cat ends with a suggestion that children should also help out the needy so they, too, will have new clothes. It should come as no surprise, then, that Icelanders put in more overtime at work than most other countries in Europe. One of Iceland's other renowned figures associated with Christmas first made her appearance in ancient pagan times. An especially terrifying figure, Gorilla, is a giant troll with hooves for feet who sports 13 tails. This lady troll is in a perpetually bad mood due to her insatiable hunger for children. Each Christmas, Grilla comes down from her mountain to hunt for bad children. She carries them off in a sack to her cave and cooks them in stew. Grilla's wrath is not reserved for children. She's been through three husbands, two of which she killed because they bored her. Sounds like real mother material, right? Well, Grilla has 13 sons. They're known as the Yule Lads, and each is known for a particular habit or characteristic. Most of them are mischievous pranksters or petty criminals, prowling the town each night on the 13 days leading up to Christmas. They are Sheetcope Clog, a peg-legged sheep fancier. Gully Gock, who hides out in ditches then runs into your cow shed and licks the foam from the milk in the milk bucket. Stubby, who is unusually short and likes to steal pie crusts. Spoon Licker, liquor and thief of spoons. Pot Scraper. Thief of Leftovers. Bowl Licker. Hides under your bed waiting for you to put down your bowl so he can steal it and lick it. Door Slammer. This guy slams doors all night. Skier Gobbler. A Thief of Skier. A type of yogurt that's a staple in the region. Sausage Swiper. Truth in Advertising. Window Peeper. Same. Doorway Sniffer uses his incredibly large nose to sniff through the doors for traditional bread. Meat hook. This fellow always brings a meat hook along with him so he can steal meat, and, to be terrifying, I assume, and candle stealer, who follows children around so he can steal their candles, leaving them in the dark. The old grey mare ain't what she used to be when it's Christmas time in Wales. In its purest form, the tradition of Mari Lud, involves the arrival of a horse and a group of people at the door of a house or pub, where the people sing several introductory verses. Then comes a battle of wits in which the people inside and the Marilud party exchange challenges and insults in rhyme. At the end of this folksy rap battle, which can be as long as the creativity of the two groups holds out, the Marilud enters with another song. What I forgot to mention is that the horse in this scenario is actually a horse's skull attached to a pole, wrapped in a white sheet, and sometimes decorated with tinsel and baubles. The person operating the horse is concealed by the sheet, and sometimes there's even a switch to work the horse's jaw. If you've had enough scary ghost stories, we'll go on to the tales of the glory of Christmases around the world. In the Philippines, the Giant Lantern Festival is held each year on the Saturday before Christmas Eve in San Fernando, the Christmas capital of the Philippines. Spectators from all over the country and around the world flock to the 11 villages that take part in the festival. Competition is fierce, as everyone pitches in, trying to build the most elaborate lanterns. Originally, the lanterns were simple creations, about half a meter or a foot and a half in diameter made from Japanese origami paper and lit with a candle. Today, the lanterns are made from a variety of modern materials. They've grown to as much as 6 meters, or about 20 feet in size, and are illuminated by electric lights. Going to Christmas Mass sounds like it would be a lot more fun in Venezuela. In the capital of Caracas, citizens make their way to church on roller skates every Christmas morning. The tradition is now so well established that many of the city's streets are closed to traffic so that the skating congregation can get to church safely. Ukraine's strangest festive tradition is not one for the arachnophobe. Where we would have tinsel and stars, Ukrainians use decorations that mimic the natural formation of spider's webs glistening with dew. The tradition goes back to a folk tale about a poor widow who couldn't afford to decorate a tree for her children. The spiders in the house took pity on the family and spun beautiful webs all over the tree which the children awoke to find on Christmas morning. Generally speaking, spiders' webs are considered lucky in Ukrainian culture. There are some home-baked traditions that are odd when you look at them objectively, like watching a fireplace on television. The Yule log, a giant hunk of wood bent to burn all through the holiday, is a tradition that dates back hundreds of years. The Yule Log on TV is a relatively new tradition for those who have no fireplace in which to burn a Yule Log. From 1966 to 1989, WPIX in New York would interrupt its regularly scheduled programs on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, to bring you the warmth, good cheer, and friendliness of a Yule Log fire accompanied by the most beautiful and familiar Christmas carols. So for 24 hours across Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, a 17-second loop of a fireplace played. The original film was shot at Gracie Mansion, but a carpet fire during the first filming made the mayor wary of a reshoot when it was needed a few years later because the film stock had deteriorated. So the loop you see now was filmed in California. In some parts of the U.S., the ornaments on the tree would be incomplete without a sparkly pickle. The pickle was to be the last ornament hung on the Christmas tree, and the first child to find the pickle gets an extra present. Legend has it that it comes from an old German tradition, which seems to scan since Germany is responsible for many of our holiday habits, courtesy of Victoria and Albert, and my grandfather's people do love their pickles. But like Elf on the Shelf, this modern tradition was made to seem old. It was in the 1880s that the Woolworth stores began selling glass ornaments imported from Germany, some of which were in the shapes of various fruits and vegetables, including bumpy green pickles. The lack of bona fides notwithstanding, the American city of Barron Springs, Michigan, self-proclaimed Christmas Pickle Capital of the World, has an annual pickle festival in the early part of December. Sometimes, things American make a stronger showing than you would expect in other countries' holidays. Although Christmas isn't a national holiday in Japan, families from all over the country head to their local KFC for a special Christmas Eve meal. Back in 1974, the American fast food restaurant Kentucky Fried Chicken released a festive marketing campaign. The seemingly simple slogan, Kentucky for Christmas, spawned a national tradition but still thrives to this day. You can expect to pay a premium price for the 11 herbs and spices on the biggest sales day of the year, though. A KFC Christmas dinner clocks in at around $20 per person. Bonus fact, the official KFC Twitter account only follows the five Spice Girls and six men named Herb. The first person who noticed it, or at least broadcast their discovery, was rewarded with a portrait of himself getting a piggyback ride from Colonel Sanders. Speaking of Twitter, you can find bonus facts and important updates at twitter.com brainonfactspod, whereas over on Facebook and Twitter, it's slash yourbrainonfacts. And of course, if you want to reach me directly, there's always yourbrainonfacts at gmail.com, or if you've got a question to ask, or a factoid you'd like to share, You can now leave it on my voicemail at 804-404-2669. Grandfather Frost is the Slavic equivalent of Santa Claus, wearing a long red fur coat and fur-trimmed hat, carrying a magical staff. Instead of sneaking down chimneys to deposit gifts before disappearing into the night, he shows up at New Year's parties to give children their gifts. He's also accompanied everywhere by his granddaughter, the Snow Maiden. I wasted a fair amount of time on a Google image search for Snow Maiden headdress, and I am not sorry at all. It is a great aesthetic. Check it out. Grandfather Frost had a tough time in the Soviet Union, though. After the Russian Revolution, he didn't come at all for years due to a ban on religion and anything Christmas-like during the New Year's celebration. Joseph Stalin reversed the ban in 1935, but he ordered that Grandfather Frost wear blue so that no one would confuse him with the Western capitalist Santa Claus. Not to be confused with Weihnachtsmann, Father Christmas, Niklas travels around Germany by donkey in the middle of the night on December 6th, Niklas Tog, the night of the Feast of St. Nicholas and leaves little treats, like coins, chocolates, oranges, and small toys in the shoes of good children, particularly in the Bavarian region. Nicholas also visits children in homes and schools. If they want sweets or a small present, they must recite a poem, sing a song, or draw him a picture. It's not all fun and games, though. St. Nicholas also brings farmhand Rupert. A devil-like character dressed in dark clothes, covered with bells, and a dirty beard, Rupert carries a stick or a small whip in his hand to punish children who misbehave. With these reward and punishment duos, do you think they classify any children as middling or average? Like a Christmas purgatory, you haven't been good enough for gifts, but you haven't been bad enough for a whipping. Or is it like a clearly defined line? And if it is, do you think there are kids who are keeping track to make sure they stay just this side of the line? These are the things I think about when I'm home alone and the power goes out. Remember that Ethiopian famine relief song, Do They Know It's Christmas? With about 350 million Christians living in Africa, I'm going to guess probably. Christmas in Africa has managed to keep more of its spiritual meaning and is markedly less commercialized than in other parts of the world. Most Christians in Ethiopia belong to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, who celebrate Christmas on the 7th of January. This is called Ghana, They fast the night before, and at dawn of Ghana, people traditionally wear white cotton clothes, similar to a toga, with colorful stripes at the ends. People who live in cities are more likely to stay in their western-style clothes, though. Each Ghana, thousands of people pilgrimage to Lalibela, to the Bet-Miriam, the Church of the Virgin Mary, the most important dish eaten in their Christmas meal is a spicy meat and vegetable stew called wat, served with injera bread. If you've never had Ethiopian food, do. It's like culinary S&M, The spices are painful, but you just keep going back for more. Egyptian Orthodox Christians, or Coptic Christians, also celebrate Christmas on the 7th of January. They fast during the 43 days before Christmas, abstaining from meat, fish, eggs, and milk. After a long, late night Christmas Eve mass, people go home and feast on lamb stew and everything else they haven't been allowed to have. On Christmas Day, families visit their friends and neighbors, and children get a small amount of money to buy sweets and toys. In Malawi, children go house to house singing Christmas songs and dancing. Especially for the occasion, they wear simple clothes made of leaves. In Zimbabwe, there's a tradition where children bring little presents to other children who are in the hospital or for any reason couldn't come to church. Why don't our kids do that? Somebody start a social media trend immediately. Families like to celebrate with their neighbors on Christmas Day. Adults will have a party in one house, and children have their own party in another house. Let's maybe not do that one here. Christmas in South Africa is marked with a feast that could include turkey, suckling pig, mince pie, and puddings, naturally. Caroling on Christmas Eve is very popular in towns and cities. In Madagascar, Christmas is a time for children to be baptized en masse, as well as a tradition of visiting elders and other highly respected people in the community. Church is the place to be on Christmas Eve in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Choirs sing Christmas carols, and religious plays are performed. These plays begin with the creation story at the Garden of Eden, and end with the story of King Herod ordering the killing of all the baby boys in the region, which is actually what sets up the plot of the Nativity, but is largely ignored or forgotten. People in Ghana also revel in songs and plays during Mass. After going to church again in the morning, everyone hurries home to exchange presents, During their Christmas meal, people in Ghana eat stew or okra soup that you might have heard of. Gumbo. One of the most popular Christmas traditions in Nigeria is decorating homes and churches with palm fronds. According to an old belief, palm fronds symbolize peace, so the hope is the fronds will bring peace and harmony to their lives. Apart from Christmas carols and midnight mass, people in Nigeria have the traditional econ play. The performers dance from home to home, carrying a fake baby. The homeowner accepts the doll and gives presents to the group. Then the doll is returned to the group so they can continue their journey. In Gambia, there is a special Christmas parade of fanals, lanterns shaped like houses and boats. In Sierra Leone and much of Gambia, Towns and villages celebrate with masquerade parties, extending the celebration beyond those of the Christian faith to include the whole community. As much a social event as a religious one, Christmas across the region brings family and friends together for food, sport, and gifts. Liberia flips the script on Christmas. Instead of Santa, you're more likely to see Old Man Beka, the county devil, who, instead of giving presents walks up and down the street, begging for them on Christmas Day. And instead of hearing the usual Merry Christmas greeting, expect to hear Liberians say, My Christmas on you, which is basically saying, Please give me something nice for Christmas. In China, only about 1% of people are Christian, so most people have only a passing familiarity with Christmas. It's something they've seen in Western TV and movies. Because of this, Christmas is typically only celebrated in major cities, with trees, lights, and other decorations on the streets and in department stores. Santa Claus is called Shen Dan Lao Ren, and there is no chance I pronounce that correctly, but is Old Christmas Man. More young people celebrate Christmas in cities, where Christmas parties are becoming popular, and it's a time for young couples to exchange gifts, a bit like Valentine's Day. And while they're popping up in the malls, Christmas trees are not popular in people's houses. If people do have a tree of light, it's normally a plastic one that might be decorated with paper chains, paper flowers, and paper lanterns. Ironically, most of the world's plastic Christmas decorations are made in China. Bonus fact, the first successful artificial Christmas tree was made by a company that manufactured toilet brushes. All the action takes place on the eve of January 5th in Italy. According to folklore, an old woman named Belfana visits the children of Italy to fill their stockings with candy and leave them presents if they've been good. Bad kids get coal, or, in Sicily, a stick. Like Father Christmas, Belfana enters through the chimney, but only of houses where they have left her a treat, usually wine and local delicacies. Unlike Mrs. Claus, though, Bafana is depicted as a standard-issue, warty, big-nosed witch. On the topic of women who get around, according to Norwegian folklore, Christmas Eve is the day when mischievous spirits and witches take to the skies for general tomfoolery. Since witches prefer brooms for transportation, it's a tradition in Norway to hide brooms and any cleaning supplies attached to sticks so the witches can't find them. So if you don't feel like sweeping up on Christmas, tell your partner you've gone Norwegian. Little Candles Day marks the start of the Christmas season across Colombia. In honoring the Virgin Mary, people place candles and paper lanterns in their windows, balconies, and yards. The tradition of candles has grown, and now entire towns and cities across the country are lit up with elaborate displays. Some of the best are found in Kimbaya, where neighborhoods compete to see who can create the most impressive arrangement. Every Christmas, families across Sweden gather around their TV at 3 p.m. sharp to watch Donald Duck. Everything on Christmas is planned around the television special, with more than 40% of Sweden's population tuning in like clockwork. The tradition dates back to the 1960s, when televisions were a new commodity in Sweden and only had two channels. One of which played Disney cartoons at Christmas. It may be a quirky tradition, but half of a nation coming together to watch cartoons together? Hashtag country goals. The second most outlandish Christmas tradition I could find is Teo de Nadal, the Christmas log. Teo de Nadal is made from a hollow log with little stick legs, a smile, and a red hat. Every evening between December 8th and Christmas Eve, the children feed the log small treats and leave him under a blanket to keep him warm. On Christmas Eve, the children are tasked with beating the log with sticks while singing traditional songs, which include lyrics like Poop log, poop nougats, hazelnut, and motto cheese. If you don't poop well, I'll hit you with a stick, poop log. After Tio de Danal is properly beaten and serenaded, the log magically poops out presents and candy, meaning they fall out a hole in the back. After all the treats are out, Tio de is considered useless and added to the fire. Some traditions are created deliberately, and some develop organically. The Swedish tradition of the Yule Goat dates back at least to the 11th century, where there are mentions of a man-sized goat figure, led by St. Nicholas, who had the power to control the devil. By the 19th century, the goat became the good guy, a giver of gifts. Instead of Father Christmas, men in the family would dress up as the goat and give gifts to the entire family. Since 1966, a 13-meter or 40-foot tall straw Yule Goat has been built in the center of Yevle Castle Square during Advent, But this Swedish Christmas tradition unwittingly led to another tradition of sorts. People trying to burn the goat down. Since 1966, the goat has been successfully burned down 29 times, the most recent of which was in 2016. Burning the goat is completely illegal, but that doesn't stop people. In 1976, the Yule goat was hit by a car and caught fire. In 79, it was torched before it even made it to Castle Square. In 88, people started a betting pool for what day the goat would burn down, and then it burned down. In 2001, an American tourist burned the goat down after being tricked by some local friends into believing it was okay. He spent a few weeks in jail, and they wouldn't give him his lighter back. In 05, vandals dressed as Santa Claus and gingerbread men fired a flaming arrow at the straw goat. In 06, the city fireproofed the goat, or so they thought, because it burned down. In 2009, webcams were added to surveil the goat. These were taken offline by a denial-of-service attack, and the goat was burned down. In 2011, authorities hosed the goat down with water so it would be covered with a protective layer of ice but persistent vandals managed to light it anyway. Luckily for the GOAT, the fire department is only a few minutes away, close enough that they thwarted three attempts in 2014 alone. In 2016, it was burned to the ground in the few hours between my favorite YouTube host Tom Scott filming a piece in front of it and him arriving home at Heathrow Airport. If you want to see how the GOAT fares this year, you can follow its progress on the Visit Yavle website, where they have it live streaming. I'll try to remember to put this in the show notes and on the website. The URL is visitgavle.se. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. Remember how I said the pooping log was the second most strange custom? The winner for the most unusual Christmas tradition is a nativity scene character from the Catalonia region of Spain, the Caganer. There are many theories as to what it symbolizes, but lots of people believe that it would be bad luck for your crops or your personal life to leave him out of the nativity. The Caganer is placed near the rear of the nativity scene, often behind the barn, because he's squatting, taking a poo. Traditionally, the caganer is depicted as wearing traditional Catalan red cap and white peasant shirt, although figures modeled to look like celebrities, politicians, and even popes are also popular. Basically, if someone has a Twitter account, there's a caganer of them. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. And whatever you celebrate, I hope it is happy and safe, and that you'll be here in the coming year to hear more Your Brain on Facts. The sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night.